Welcome to No Gods, No Master Volumes. I'm Guion, I run Holy Island Audio, a one-man effects pedal operation from Cardiff in Wales. And I'm Simon, I'm a record producer, musician, and I make pedal demos as Tunnel of Reverb. Today we're talking to guitar demo extraordinaire Ian Pritchard of Collectorate Emitter. If you've watched pedal demos on YouTube before, you've probably watched Ian's demos. He creates ethereal soundscapes that draw you in and help you gain an insight into the spirit of the sound device he's demoing. Outside of YouTube, you may know Ian from his bands such as Foreverist or Bot Garden. You may also have heard of a little pedal called Park Garden, developed by Ian with friend of the pod, friend of the pod. Alec of Mask Audio Electronics. We chat about the process of making demos, the evolution of YouTube, and the importance of self-care in the creative industries. Well, what's, I've always been interested to know, Ian, like, what's your history with like pedals? Because obviously you're a performer, you're a musician, but like, where did pedals start for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the first pedal I bought was a, uh, a Digitech Hothead. Nice. A distortion they were making um, in like the early 2000s. I went to Guitar Center to get a blues driver. I like the flames on the hothead. I thought that looked so much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> and so Absolutely. I probably made the, the dumbest decision of my life uh, <laughs> to do that. Um, but then in, in like high school playing in bands, um, you would like play locally and in like all the nearby um, towns pretty frequently. So I was, I didn't have money to get gear, but I was, whatever gear we had access to. And there was a lot of like shared communal, like, oh yeah, this is my friend's hoop screamer, but we can use it because mm -hmm. like he's not using it right now or whatever. And so we were messing a lot with um, pedals and like the line six rack units um, that were just like the pod, uh, all oh, yeah. effect rack units. Um, and it was interesting to me, but then and I was in college and I was messing more with recording and like writing music in a DAW. Um, it's like, oh, effects are so much more, like I wish I could do all this with my guitar. And so I was like just doing like guitar line in into my interface in GarageBand or Reason and just using all the digital effects and it was like sounds cool and i can do cool things but it's not fun and i can't do anything with it live i can't use it in my band or anything and so i bought a bunch of pedals not knowing really anything um and so i got uh, a couple it's like digitech digiverb and the digi delay and i got like a, an ehx memory toy um, and the double muff, and um, I probably got some other things, but it was like, let me just get a few things that I can mess with at home, because at that point I wasn't really playing in a band. And then um, with that, I started post-rock band, and then so it, it was just, it was a two-piece post-rock band, just me and a drummer. And so it was all, what can I do to fill out everything I think that's where both my playing and my 
um, interest and my like use, like how I use pedals all came from is how can I fill space and have a melody and a uh, chord progression and, you know, like a baseline movement happening at the same time. Mm. And so I was messing with loopers. I eventually got a, a DL4 and we realized we're playing with like just my amp. Mer kind of can't hear me. So if he needs to keep in time with a loop, it's not going to work. What I have to loop is actually more like layers of, uh, you know, more ambient things because that way it's not in time with anything mm. and he's still playing along to what I'm playing. And so, you know, we would do a lot of stuff of like, you know, starting a song and he's just doing like cymbal washes and he would like do these cymbal harmonics by rubbing the oh, stick yeah. on the side yeah. of the cymbal. And he's just like filling space while I build up a few layers of loops in the DigiDelay and the DL4. And then we'd play a song over that, maybe add something during, but it was all like, you know, it was very like utilitarian of I need big pedal board to be able to like actually sound like we're a full band. Um, then I, you know, was playing in um, another band with um, the same drummer that was just kind of more straightforward, emo, pop punk, and didn't need all that. Mm. I had like caught the full like obsession with pedals. And so it was like, okay, well now I can build a separate, pedal board and um if i don't need to use the delays for all the this looping stuff well i can have you know all this like kind of lower mix like intricate um stuff happening because i'm kind of the second like not necessarily lead but i wasn't really mm. playing a lot of mm -hmm. chord progressions in the band and so that you know, took me out of my really specific thing and so that really is what led me. That band um, was Foreverist, who um, uh, Simon's partner did the album art for, yeah, for or uh, our only full length. Um, and um, that and was, or I was in that band for um, four years. And so, and at that point, you know, that was just a couple years of, you know, any time I had. Um, a little bit of extra money or I did like recorded a band and they paid me a couple hundred bucks. I'd buy another pedal and I ended up with small collections. So oh, no. when the band stopped playing, then I was like, what can I do to fill my time? Because mm. I don't have another band going. And by then I had moved from New York to Philly. So I wasn't even in the same uh, city as that uh, the drummer for the post-rock band and so it's like mm. I wasn't really doing anything and so I just went all in on like, trying to write music on my own and it just wasn't happening so it's like well let me just make a couple little videos mm -hmm. to time um, and then somewhere in there also um Brian from Small Sound Big Sound enough 
he let me intern for him because I was going to college for uh, music technology Mm. and we needed these internship credits. And in the program, there were all these established um, like post-production houses and things where kind of everybody did their internships and weren't really what I wanted to do. And it was what everyone was doing. It's like, there's got to be a different way to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, so bugged Brian and he let me come intern for him, which was basically sitting and watching him build pedals, uh, messing up drilling enclosures, and then you'd <laughs> go get pizza at the same place every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so that was like, that's just how I spent summer with him and by the end i was like i was watching at that point this was like 2013 at the summer of 2013 so at that point there really weren't pedal demos no no um, it was knobs and andy and mm. then sometimes yeah. you'd get like um like hermans who was doing them for purgatar shop it wasn't even a separate channel just sometimes Mike Hermans or Jamie Wolfert were like it was somebody else in the video that wasn't Andy. It was just like, oh, I guess Andy was busy this day or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. It didn't feel like something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were like the blues rock, like cell phone videos, um, oh, yeah. like Gear Man Dude and stuff. But that was it. And so I like tried to convince Brian because his pedals are all so interesting, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. read the description and you can't imagine they weren't clones of anything. And you can't yeah. think like, Oh yeah, I know exactly what this is. Let me buy it. Mm. And, um, so I tried to convince him that it'd be easy. We just have a camera pointing down at the floor and then just play a little bit and sync it up. It can't be that mm-hmm. hard and never the time to do it. But then, you know, some something with like his teaching me like more of the electronics and you know learning a little bit of that in college and then needing something to do after I wasn't in a band anymore kind of led to me going a hundred percent in on pedals. So that's that's kind of how I got here. That's such an interesting timeline of just how everything kind of like led from one thing to the next to the next and now like obviously that's been a whole journey to now where you where you are right now right you know with the like success of your channel and various other things like it's it's funny that it came from like ah oh, fuck i'm not in a band right now i need to do something yeah, yeah. <laughs> really uh, and the other thing i've realized kind of in hindsight is um i have like some obsessive tendencies. And so when I get into a hobby, I get like all the way into it. Mm. And so like over the course of um, kind of like the end of high school and college, I was going through different things and I had a phase of like really collecting records. And then I gave up on that and then just didn't buy any more records. And then I had a phase of buying new comic book issues that came out every single week and I stopped doing that. And so it was like pedals were becoming that next obsession. 
It just happened at the right timeline of not only do I not, I didn't have a full-time job and have a band because that's what I was like doing to fill my time between things. And so it's like everything kind of just stopped mm-hmm. and I had to sort of figure out what do I do next? And so it's like, well, um, you know, in, in hindsight, I might say I was like kind of hiding from like anything responsible to do of like, I'll just do this. Yeah. Uh, like spend all of my money on pedals, mm-hmm. uh, not really leave the house. Cause I'm making, <laughs> like, then it took me so much longer to make videos. So making yeah. a video every week, just as a challenge of don't stop was difficult because that was a couple days of maybe a full like two, three, four hours of filming yeah. before I learned how to really shorten that. And then um, like I was at the start editing in um, iMovie, which doesn't only let you have a certain number of layers mm-hmm. with the yeah. green screen backgrounds. I would have to do the full edit, do the full sync of the audio and the video, export, do the full edit, <laughs> Jesus. For do the whole like fig, do the green screen part so that it's transparent export and mm. then I could put background in. And so oh and the God. exports on my shitty laptop would take like hours. So mm. it was like a full week's worth of work to do a video and I did it every week, but because that was the only thing I was thinking of. What did you um what were you studying in college? Was that music related then? Was that music production? Yeah, um, it was, I went in wanting to do music production and then the program was music technology. So it was really, um, had to do electronics courses. I mean, I was really lucky that I went to this program where basically the idea was you're not allowed to just study production because that's what everybody wants to do. And that's not what 90% of the jobs in the industry are. And if you study production and then try to go the job at uh, like video post-production house, you're not going to have the skills. If you try to get a job at, you know, a live sound um, gig, you're not going to have the the right skills. And somebody who didn't go to college will more easily get that because they can just come in as like an intern or an apprentice and learn. Yeah. and so it's kind of, that's the philosophy of the program. And so like I studied electronics with the founder of API for um, wow. uh, like four semesters. Um, and uh, we had to do video for video. We did a lot of recording. Then we also did live sound. And um, we had to like do a certain number, number of ensemble classes and like, computer music and programming like music programming and dsp and spent a lot of time in max msp and some of it interested me and some of it was like i'm just going to school but it ended up giving me this like really wide range of knowledge that wasn't what i wanted but that made i think that made approaching demos the way i do easier because yeah. I get what um, is happening. Not really, like I can't, 
I've tried and failed, and that's why I've done some pedals with Alec um, at Mask yeah. Audio because I myself can't fully like get all the way to grasping here's how to design a circuit and breadboard it and make it. Yeah. It fails somewhere. Um, but I get like 90% of theory behind it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you tell me like, here's this thing that we're doing with the this transistor stage, it's like, I get what that means, yeah, mm-hmm. which is enough to translate into kind of normal lay person's language mm. of this technical thing means this thing that you're hearing or feeling. Um, mm. And so that's kind of what I ended up, I think, focusing everything in my channel around um, is like that kind of translation of stuff's cool technically. And so many people like um, uh, John Snyder, I know is everybody's example, like what he puts into his pedals are not, um, it's going to go over most people's heads. Pretty much mm-hmm. everybody who buys one, they don't mm-hmm. understand it. And, and then like, you know, um, uh, Hawker, uh, when I've done the, um, the Asheville pedals, a lot of people have asked me like, why, why is this so expensive? Why does it matter that yeah. it's analog? Mm. And it's like, or why, why is there no tap tempo? Because if you don't think you know, and understand like how some of these things work, just the concept of an analog LFO is not impressive. Mm-hmm. Then when you like understand what goes into it uh, and have spent your time trying and failing at making like, uh, uh, like seven, five, five, five circuits, like mm-hmm. the shitty square wave and then the, can I filter yeah, this be into being it's like it's really difficult yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, I think what I learned in school really helped me in like translating like I think some people are interested in pedals just for playing and those yeah. people part of me kind of en- envies because like that's a really nice relationship with it but a lot of people who are buying stuff that's on my channel and a lot of the other demo channels and are like really interested in pedals. Yeah. They're interested in it because they like what's happening and they want that to inspire them or, you know, do something for them. But it's not just this film I need. Okay, I'm good. So mm. explaining that stuff to them in a way that makes sense if you don't have any yeah. engineering knowledge kind of helps make the cool stuff cooler. Yeah. Uh, you know, easier to get into. I'm sure it helps sort of uh, inform your approach as well when you understand, even if it is like a pretty abstract understanding of what's going on inside of the circuit, I think you can really get the best out of it for a demo as well when you understand to that degree. I, I feel like that translates quite well in, in the the videos that you put out. It feels like you know what you're doing. Do you know, it's uh, it's definitely like it's a visit. It's it's something that you do notice. I think. I think it's one mm. of the big things that makes your uh, your channel sort of stand out. From obviously, it wasn't a big crowd of people doing that sort of thing. Right. And so I started in 2017. Now, six years ago. But I feel like 
there was like a surge between 2013 and 2017. Yeah. 2017 was like Hobbs was starting to not make videos regularly. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, Pro Guitar Shop closed. And um, so like that really changed. Like there was a lot of things that ended there. Yeah. And um, and I think there's a wave of people who started at a similar time to me who a lot of them are now also gone and stopped. Okay, yeah. Now. And yeah. now we have like this kind of third wave of yeah. channels. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of like in between there. That's like, yeah, like kind of a big uh, generalization of it, but like it's gone through these different eras. And I think now when I was making videos, there was a bit more of like, because of knobs, like you know, the two ends of the spectrum are knobs and Andy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, fully weird and fully normal. And then everybody had to find their thing in between, mm-hmm. but they were all the no talking, um, you know, like taking knobs format and doing different yeah. things. And um, so like, I think there was people trying to, because in that format, it works well to explain things. So I think there was more of a focus on kind of what I do yeah. Um, and then what happened, like maybe in 2019 or so, was like just a couple years later, was then response to that of what we sort of have now. And I think maybe a better format for most people um, is like you have the intro song and you have like 30 seconds of person talking to camera explaining yeah. what it is. And then you have just walking through here's just some examples of how you can use it mm-hmm. um, and uh, the only reason I haven't stopped or changed formats is because it's like a routine for me and so yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know it's like well I'll just keep going and you know making that I make at this point a video takes me two hours an hour to okay. film and an hour to edit because yeah. um it's just down to like, yeah, I, I have, say, that was quick. Yeah. Mm. I have my setup already there. I mean, part of that is I don't have, if you look at every other demo now, yeah, cool lighting and like a cool setup and it's different for every video. And I just have a mic stand with a phone clip on it, like a, a kick drum mic stand with a phone clip on it so that it's facing down on a side table next to my desk here. And then there's just a blue cloth, over the rest of the table in front of it and the cables are all wired everything's good to go usually have this mic stand with like a little led light magnetically attached to it for my second light um the other one's just this overhead light and i just turn everything on and go and the biggest change is just putting plugging in the next pedal well i guess if you crack the formula that's just it then isn't it you know Exactly. You know how to approach it every time. Yeah. And having the space. Up. I like have had all these ideas of like, oh, I should like try this thing and try this thing. And it's like, do that. I'm going to slow down. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like try to do that like a little bit on, I've done stuff on Instagram or I've done stuff on my Patreon, but it's like, keep the core thing going. Cause I think yeah. mm-hmm. classic YouTube arc is, 
it's like a little like scrappy and then you get in a groove and you get yeah. bored of the groove <laughs> audience doesn't but you do yeah mm -hmm. so you want to change and then you change and your audience is like well wait i kind of liked what you were doing and yeah. everybody like goes away and maybe you find a new audience and then the cycle could happen again but um you know it's like people keep watching so um i just stick with the formula and i've added different formats that are shorter mm -hmm. or focused on different things but uh it's all just the same it all placed in the same spot and you know me editing it differently i think as well like it's part of your like and it it feels almost dirty to say but like brand identity you know like <laughs> you know you can you know it's you know it's your video when you see it and yeah. i think you know that that stands for a lot and even with the different formats, like you still like have that same safe. I know this is an Ian demo. I can, you know, I can trust it because sometimes I find like if it's something I don't know, I'm like, I don't know. Like I got to fact check this stuff, you know. <laughs> right. But like, yeah, people see it and they trust it. Yeah, it's it's a trust thing. I think the trust is a big is a big aspect. I, I feel I, like I've never really thought about it in that way. But as soon as you said trust, then I was like, that's exactly what it is. You watch it and you know okay yeah that totally makes sense that's i understand that pedal in that context it's uh yeah a solid format it's there's a reason it's it's solid like there's a reason yeah it's and yeah i think that like try not to put too much thought into what i'm doing or the and identity you know i like yeah i've, I've always thought i have like a little bit more of like a, a punk approach of like mm -hmm. the little lo-fi like Mm. the audio is good and that's what matters and i'm just mm -hmm. kind of yeah doing the same thing and it's it is what it is um it's kind of hard to imagine this now but when i started making demos there were like even for companies as big as like old blood noise and walrus and some of the gur boutique um bands Mm. were no demos on youtube mm -hmm. for some of their pedals yeah because they weren't doing them and they weren't sending them out to people to do them they weren't trying to make them happen it was like a thing that just if you were an enthusiast who got one you would do it and everyone yeah. else was pretty much knobs or a store mm -hmm. and so you would watch like i remember um watching I first started, it was like, okay, I'm going to buy like a bunch of pedals whenever I have money. I still want to do like a little bit of research to make sure it's not something I don't like before mm -hmm. I buy it. And then I'm not going to want to make a video with it and it'll feel like a waste. Um, and there would be video, like I'd search for some pedals and there'd be no videos. Mm -hmm. So then that was like, okay, maybe I should that one instead get something then you can watch another video on the channel and get context and like, okay, I think I understand this. Mm. So that was always my goal of like, not um, necessarily showing anything like myself, but just like, here's what the pedals can be good at. Yeah. Like here's what you came to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I had a similar experience with, playing in bands at the same time period and watching Andy's demos and being like, well, I really like it. And I really, you know, like I like it a lot, but like he doesn't play anything that I play. Like, I just want to yeah. hear like 
a power chord or like at the time i was just like i want to hear like a trempic lead through like you say like an old blood black fountain or something like and uh that was always frustrating not frustrating i guess but i just wanted to hear these things especially because we were like trying to import them you know like trying to order an yeah. old blood noise pedal to in trying to get one in london in like i don't know 2015 or whatever i would just have to order it and hope for the best yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like it's interesting now where every drop has this well that's it it's just standard now isn't it can imagine a pedal coming out now and they're not being a, a wave of internet videos to explain how something works it seems nuts that that was even it was weren't even that long ago that it, that wasn't the standard approach to releasing something but mm. uh, it's it's really interesting when we did um uh park garden germanium uh, a couple weeks ago yeah uh the demos went up at the same time the pedal went for sale yeah i think mm -hmm. that happened with sending v2 as well yeah. and there was like a little bit of people saying like but want to hear about it before i'm able to buy it because what if you know they sell True. out yeah. or what and yeah. so it's like it's really like everything has changed and yeah. so yeah, i'm yeah. always like i think um i really admire the people like the really tiny little builders on instagram who don't have any demos they just yeah. like you know, here I made this thing and then maybe they film a video themselves and it's just like, mm. they're not trying to like, play the game versus sometimes I'll get, mm. you know, a message or an email from someone who's releasing their first pedal and they're already thinking about like, this is what you have to do, mm. which I think makes more sense. Like that's just the world that we live in now. But yeah, it's like, it's so uh, endearing to me. Someone just something out there and being like if you're interested like you could get it yeah but, yeah you know we're kind of going back in time like you're not allowed to know what it sounds like yes the old, <laughs> it feels weirdly organic i think like just sort of having because i think there was a time as well where you would find out about a company and that was like your little secret then because you knew about yeah. it and no one else did like the small sound big sound stuff there was a time when you could you'd mention that name and you'd get no response from the general sort of guitar player. They just have no clue about that brand. But I mean, yeah, there's smaller boutique builders. I guess it's like a golden age currently. There's just there's a few. It's funny you say about small sound, big sound because I remember having a mini and recording bands in London and people being like, "Whoa, I've never heard of this pedal," yeah. and then like. I moved to Chicago and I was just like, oh yeah, you know, I use this mini and they're like, oh yeah, everyone in my band has one of those. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, holy shit, like everyone in the Midwest has a mini or a fuck or yeah. like. A... Yeah. Yeah. It really had a period there of like, like nobody knew about it. And then this like steep jump to everybody had it. And then mm -hmm. now, unfortunately, no one can have it again. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone wants it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it stayed mysterious just in a different way now. it's uh... Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I always admired the bands that like, I think this is more seeing it like um, missing the, the early steps that lead to being, being able to do this. But the bands yeah. that were like just fully mysterious and like... Um, uh, Glassjaw was a band that I was like so into in... 
um, like high school and college. And they would just like put out a like tweet that says something cryptic. And like there was one time to announce a record, they mailed people who had bought their merch uh, like flexi singles without yeah. telling you what it was. So you yeah. just got this record yeah. in the mail and it's like <laughs> and it's like it's it's so interesting me to me like not having to like really put in uh, like all of that effort to like grind and get people's attention. Yeah. And uh yeah, small sound big sound like you had that like the mini was enough for like everything because it's just yeah. like perfect pedal. Yeah, um, and I'm sure people hearing this who don't have one will be upset at us just for talking about it. Because, yeah, <laughs> like I don't even want to know what they sell for on Reverb. No, no, just which is like the real downside of the whole golden age of. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, people have got their eyes on stuff, just waiting to scope it out and flip it. It's it is wild. I, yeah, it's um. I mean, it's going to come with anything, though, isn't it? As soon as anything gets popular and people realize they can make money from it, people are going to try try and exploit it. Uh, yeah, same with, like, video games as well in the last couple of years, like PS5s mm-hmm. and Switches and yeah. just any opportunity to do that kind of stuff. How, as you mentioned, working with Alec, where did that collaboration come from? Right. Um, you really messaged me um years ago we uh we both were we didn't know each other at the time but we both were kind of um part of the pedal tumbler scene we were there was like a very small group of people using tumbler were like super interested in pedals mm-hmm. and so that's partially how i met on snyder and that's how i met um Ori from Fuck Yeah Effects Pedals. Um, and so, uh, and pretty early on my channel, probably in like the first year of doing videos, um, ADD Pedals, Audio Disruption Devices, oh, yeah. he sent me the um, optical ring, first version of the optical ring, mm-hmm. uh, which I still use my pedal board that's like it mm. never leaves um and did a demo for that and that's what got me into ring mod and then alec um started following me after that because he did the uh ecb design mm. oh, yeah. and then probably within the next like six months or, or a year i was trying to make a pedal and um it's probably impossible to scroll this far back on my Instagram now, but um, there are like pictures of me breadboarding and like really shitty um, like recording of like, Oh, I think I got it to work. (laughs) And then Alec messaged me and said, do you want me to make a PCB? And so made it and got them built it and it didn't work at all. Um, and so uh, it's like, I don't know what happened here. And that's when I learned, I don't have the interest to troubleshoot and figure out, uh, and 
A lot of people don't know the biggest skill you need to make pedals is troubleshooting. Mm. Like the patience to fix things. And I just was not interested in that. So yeah, um, I stopped, but then later, maybe um, another year later, like messaged me and said, like, did you like ever do anything with that pedal? Like, did you want to like try like designing it again? Like, I, I think I have some ideas. I basically was trying to just do a double muff with the LPB in front of it. Uh, yeah. And so it was just, I think what was happening was it was just too much gain yeah, and there was some stage that was overloading, and it would like kind of shut everything down. So once you overloaded it, okay, it wouldn't work for twenty four hours for some reason. Would it work for a second though? Would you get the Would you get the initial? Uh, yeah, it would work for a second, and it would work if you didn't turn it up. Um, oh, okay, so it was literally and, just crumbling in on itself. I'd imagine just yeah, yeah. Mm. and so like I didn't have like the knowledge to understand like why you can't hit as much gain in like, yeah you yeah, could do yeah. that with two pedals why not mm-hmm. in on one pcb but uh that, that's a logical way to think about it i think like it yeah. makes sense doesn't it like but yeah sorry carry on yeah, <laughs> yeah there there is a difference and so i was just like mm-hmm. you know it was kind of a silly idea i don't know if it's yeah. worth it but at this point like and i had talked more on instagram and i think we had actually hung out in person and he came to Philly. I don't remember when we started actually working on Park Garden, which is what that pedal became. Um, mm. And I uh, can't remember the exact time frame, but we also had met in person somewhere in between there. Um, he came to Philly and hung out with a bunch of the like pedal people at the time, um, Electro Foods and... Mm-hmm. Um, Wooly from Champion Lucky and man from Small Sound Big Sound, um, and and him and I just had a day like messing with pedals before he um, drove back to Michigan, and um, maybe that's when he brought the first prototype. So I think maybe we like he kind of like took over the idea from me, and then basically would just send me a prototype. I would play it and be like, oh, well, it's a little bit this thing or that thing. And we were basically just making a double muff, which mm-hmm. was what my original idea was essentially just like one-to-one clone of a double muff. And he had made a better muff as clone, which is separate from the big muff, um, for those who don't know. And so he basically did... Two of his, um, I forget what he called it. It was a DIY project he did um, mm-hmm. at the time, but um, two of those in one pedal, and we made a double muff of his kind of modded muff. And then was like, okay, this is cool. And like, I think we've got it to where it needs to be. And then I came up with the dumb idea what if it was two harmonic percolators instead? <laughs> um, and, and Alec. Uh, I mean, maybe the best thing about uh, the like whole process of like, designing a pedal with him yeah. is when I have a dumb idea, he's just like, okay, 
<laughs> See, yeah. Um, and so he did that, and it's absolutely awful. I still have it. I have all the <laughs> prototypes, and um, it's like it's way too bright. Problem with that the muff fuzz is it's too dark. Yeah. They called it the muff fuzz because came before the big muff and um, was just like really like it sounded like you had a blanket over your amp. Yeah, muffled. And I it guess. sounds it kind sense. of yeah, muffled. Hmm. And so that's where they got. And then their, uh, you know, Mike Matthews' dirty brain went to the muff fuzz. Um, but, uh, when you did two in a row, wasn't as dark because now you have all this gain and they weirdly become EQ of if you turn up the first stage, you get more of muffled sound. If you turn up the second stage, it's like attenuating the signal before you're turning it back up. So mm -hmm. it's actually like taking out some of the bass from mm -hmm. your clean signal. And so it gets kind of bright. And harmonic percolator does not have that same attribute when you do two of them in a row. It was just like an octave fuzz. Mm. It was just all brightness. And so it's like, okay, let's just merge the two ideas. That's where we landed on, like, oh, this actually kind of works. Um, and is unique. It's not just a double muff clone. And so... Mm. yeah. Um, you know, it really was just Alec, you know, approaching me and then listening to my dumb ideas. Well, that's how you find the good ideas though, right? It's with the yes and. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really interesting. And like, how, do you remember how long it took you to go from like initial, I know we talked about then the initial designs and then when, where did you get to with releasing it? How long did that take? I think from the point where Alec was designing it um, when he took over because um, it was basically just a month of me trying and giving up. And so and there was like empty space in between. But once Alec took over, I think it was about a year, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty long for prototyping a fuzz. Mm -hmm. um, partially that is like you would have to build one play it for a while to get his thoughts, then send it to me, you know, wait a week for it to get to me. Then yeah. I play it and him, my thoughts. And then we like have to have a discussion of based on what we think, like, what should we do? Is it just a tweak of the existing circuits or should, we? there was a point where I kind of was like, should we start over? Because I don't think this is working. And he said, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to start over. And he fixed it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like, he also kind of is like, um, the closest thing I can think of is like, when I've worked with, when I was um, doing um, recording and would work with band and they'd say, should we do this thing? And I would have to say like, no, like, okay, yeah, that's, that's an idea worth trying. Or like, yeah, know, like, I can tell you like that's just a bad idea or mm -hmm. a waste of time or whatever. And so it was kind of like guiding my thoughts into a usable pedal. And so mm. it was about a year, maybe a little bit more. And then time to order the 
you know, the larger order of parts and PCBs and everything, pulled everything, do the launch. So it probably ended up being like a year and a half mm. by the time we released it. Um, so uh, it was it was a pretty long process, but in like short spurts and then a wait. Uh, I mean, that's kind of prototyping a wait of, okay, we've redesigned it and it's in the queue at the CB fabrication factory. Mm. And so we wait. There's a lot of waiting involved. <laughs> that's the most frustrating part, I think, of prototyping anything or bringing a new pedal uh, into fruition is just waiting for parts like, can, it can definitely get painful. <laughs> I guess you have all of the like, oh my god, I've done it! I'm finally happy with it. Like, yeah, I can't yeah, wait yeah. to like do this. And then it's like, oh, okay, let me just shelf this excitement for. A... Mm. Turns up, you build it, build up the PCBs you've been waiting for, and they don't work. That's the that's the <laughs> true the true joy of building, building pedals. Okay, we really got into it with Ian on this episode, and uh, I had to split it into two parts so that we could upload it. So this is the end of part one. Go check out part two.